Kamala Harris is in Guatemala right before she goes to Mexico to try and figure out this border crisis thing. It's not going well. The Supreme Court makes a huge and quite surprising ruling that's really going to mess up the open border policy of the Biden administration. And the left still doesn't get biology. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Oh, so much news. A lot of it's not time sensitive, and we're going to hit some stuff up. I'm probably going to have to do Dumbasses Talking Politics video shorts because there is just so much going on and not enough time to get through it. So anyway, let's get going with the big news today. Vice President Kamala Harris is in Guatemala trying to solve the root causes of the border crisis. She hasn't been to the actual border yet uh, because she is going after this root cause. Um, The problem is the root cause is Joe Biden and his idiot policies and the open border policies, but no one's actually dealing with that. Well, uh, a Unfortunately for Kamala, uh, the president of Guatemala and the president of Mexico, who she's going to visit next, already know that's the root problem. And uh, they're basically telling her that. So this, this this trip to Guatemala right now is not going well. And to be... To, if you look at what's happening, it looks like it was damned right from the beginning. So the, ba- the trip started badly. And in 25 minutes into the flight, when there was a technical problem on Air Force Two, they had to actually turn the plane back after 25 minutes, land the plane, and switch planes. And don't forget, there are multiple, I think there are two or three Air Force Twos, a bunch of Air Force Ones. Typically, when you fly, I didn't know this, I saw it on on a history channel, I believe it was, they actually fly multiple planes when they fly. So Air Force Two landed, uh, when it took off, they actually have another Air Force Two following her in case there's a problem with the plane. Reports that there was just a minor glitch, nobody was in, in danger, everything was fine. Uh, my bet is that Kamala is kind of a high-maintenance human being. I guarantee you they ran out of orange gene or some crap like that. Of course, instead of getting off the plane and saying, yeah, no big deal, just changing planes, she said, oh, we're okay, we're okay, everything's fine, I prayed a little bit, but everything's fine. I mean, it's just the drama. Um, maybe she should be worried about the drama, because the Air Force is actually flying the airplane, and she hasn't exactly been very good with the military, but I doubt anything like that. So anyway, the trip, things didn't go much better when she actually got to Guatemala. When she got off the plane, she was greeted with all the ceremonial hubaloo, with all the military there in their dress uniforms. That was nice. But outside of the airport, a ton of protesters were out there holding streets, basically holding signs that said, Mind your own business, Kamala, mind your own business, Kamala, go home. One sign said, I mean, literally, that's what they said. One sign said, Kamala, Trump won. I mean, there is no love for the Biden administration here. We'll talk about why. 
the meeting with the president, Alejandro Giamatti. I want to hope I'm saying that correctly, but that's how it's pronounced. Uh, The meeting with President Giamatti, uh, Alejandro Giamatti, didn't go well either. It went very bad. So this is what Harris basically said to Giamatti. Quote, and so I am in Guatemala today to discuss and advance our shared priorities. Foremost among those, as you have mentioned, in addressing migration from the region in particular. We are neighbors, and the position of the United States is that we then are interconnected. We share familial bonds. We share bonds that are historic, and it is important that we embark on a new era that we recognize the significance and importance of the relationship as our neighbors. Now, a couple of things that she actually did is she's already said some things that Giamatti knew about, and he didn't really appreciate. And reporters asked about this. Last month, Kamala Harris gave an interview that was widely published, and she basically said this about the Latin American countries. Quote, I'm thinking of corruption, violence, and poverty, the lack of economic opportunity, the lack of climate adaptation, and climate resilience, the lack of good governance. Now she's, end quote, she said that in an interview last month, and now she's trying to um, give Giamatti this big old hug. Uh, Giamatti, of course, was having none of it. He, oh, he, he did not look like he was happy she was there at all. He said in an inter- first off, this 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 crap, corruption, violence, poverty, lack of economic opportunity. Yeah, I can believe it. That's a third world country. Lack of climate adaption and climate resilience. What does climate change have to do with anything? Absolutely nothing. But so he already knows that blame was coming his way, and Giamatti had his own opinion about it. He also had an interview right before she had got there. Um, and Giamatti, in the interview, aired just the day before she showed up, had pushed back against the, quote, root causes, quote, end quote, explanation and said that the two are not on the, the two countries are not on the same side of the coin of the issue. Instead, he blamed what he saw as a more welcoming message to migrants by the new administration for the surge. Now, understand something. Honduras, El Salvador, they, um, Guatemala, and Mexico have all seen this border crisis as a real problem for those countries. We're going to talk about that in a second. I may have mentioned it in a previous podcast. But they are not happy with this crisis at the U.S. border. They do not want people crossing the border. In that interview, Giamatti said, quote, the message changed too, uh, quote, end quote, we're going to reunite families. We're going to reunite children, end quote. The very next day, the coyotes were here organizing groups of children to take them to the United States. All right? This, this is huge. The corruption in these countries is, is absolutely a real thing. But it might not be because of the governor, governance or just the governance. It might not only be because of the corruption of just the corruption of the government. It might also have something to do with all the organized crime that is within these countries because 
the organized crime is focusing on either human trafficking or drug trafficking. And that's the problem. Organized crime right now is becoming richer. Well, Kamala Harris, after the meeting, seemed to have had her lunch handed to her because she made a statement that was actually quite surprising. And it almost seems like she is changing the Biden policies while she's there. It was really an odd statement, especially considering she supported open borders since the beginning of her candidacy for president last year. Listen to this. And I want to emphasize that the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home. At the same time, I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. So let's discourage our friends, our neighbors, our family members from embarking on what is otherwise an extremely dangerous... Okay, that wasn't me. That was actually cut off. But basically, this is a real turnaround in policy. Now, one of the key words in that statement was, I believe you will be turned back. In other words, they're not going to be turned back. It's basically a lie. And now she's got uh, cul culpability. She's got... Uh, a plausible deniability because she believes she'll be turned back. Why the vice president of the United States would not know whether someone's going to be turned back or not, I don't know. But the reality of the matter is she is leaving some things open here, which is kind of, uh, which is kind of sad. But that is a statement I did not think I would hear for, out of her mouth. But I'm sure that Giamatti absolutely destroyed her when they had their private meeting and probably she couldn't reason her way or cackle her way out of it listen kamala harris is going to get a lot of pushback not only from guatemala not only from mexico but if she ever decides to visit el salvador or honduras she's going to get a lot of pushback there these countries Though they love the remittances, and with the remittances, um, the money that is sent from the United States from people in America, they love getting that money. The reality is, it is hard on those countries. Because gangs, again, I'm going to say this again, gangs go in and they actually become empowered. They are busy uh, now trafficking humans and trafficking drugs into the United States. Basically, their business is doubled. In April, 178,000 Ill illegal aliens were captured at the border. 178,000. That's a record. And that doesn't include the people that actually made it. Because don't forget, 
um, of all the people that are caught, it's probably about, we don't really know, but they say it's anywhere from 10 to 25% that cross the border are actually caught. I think it's probably a little higher because uh, the people are crossing the border and then turning themselves in because they do not want to, they don't think they'll be sent back, which is actually what is happening. But that human trafficking, the drug trafficking, the gangs are becoming empowered. They're becoming financially stronger. But also the reason these countries hate it is a lot of their working men are leaving the country and they're running into problems. They don't have enough. They have more jobs than they have people. They don't want working age men leaving the country. It's bad for their economy. The president of Mexico has been blaming the United States and the Biden administration for opening the borders literally a month after Biden became president. And he was blaming Biden for the cartels. They're becoming empowered in Mexico. They're becoming their own military over there. Biden really, uh, honestly, really screwed the pooch on this one. And I think uh, this is going to be an anchor around the Democrats' neck. I don't think this is going to go away. Uh, Last week, a normally blue, heavily Hispanic city in Texas ousted the Democratic mayor and voted for a Republican mayor. And not by a small margin. Remember that the Democrats, they thought they could turn Texas blue a while back. Well, guess what? It's turning redder now. I always had that fear. I thought all those people are going to go to, well, you know what? All those people are seeing what's going on at the border. And they've had enough. Even cities like Austin and Dallas are becoming more conservative because they don't like what they're seeing. Houston, they're all becoming, which is a southern city, are becoming more uh, are becoming more conservative because they don't like seeing what's going on with illegal immigration. And with illegal immigration come drugs and crime, and that is all coming through thanks to Joe Biden's open policy. And it's happening. It's happening in Arizona too. It's not just happening in Texas. Arizona, which is a borderline purple state, I still think it's pretty red, is now turning absolute red. I hate to capitalize I hate to capitalize on the tragedy of bad policy, but I'm glad to see that Biden's policies are actually showing its stripes. I'm glad to see that um, his policies are actually not working and people are beginning to see they're not working. And the country, which is for the most part moderate, is getting absolutely tired of it. The 2022 election cannot come any faster than than it cannot come any faster because uh i got a feeling the democrats are going to get killed in that election but it also gets worse for democrats and pro open border democrats not all democrats are pro open border by the way um i guess the constitution is the constitution even if one is an activist supreme court justice in a 9-0 to zero decision from the Supreme Court Monday morning, they ruled that a law barring illegal immigrants from seeking green cards is constitutional and that those illegal immigrants 
who, li- who later earned a temporary protection status, a TPS status, are ineligible to apply for permanent residency. This is huge. And absolutely, and it's not being talked about enough. The, what Now, what temporary protected status is, means that an alien who comes in here illegally, they didn't go through the entire process, can stay in the United States because they, are, they fear bodily harm or persecution. All right? Now, I'm going to read some of this. This is from the uh, Daily Wire. Justice Elena Keegan, the most activist judge on the Supreme Court, upholding a rule that barred, quote, unlawful entrance, who later received temporary protected status from applying to remain in the United States. Temporary uh, protected status technically gives, quote, gives foreign nationals non-immigrant status. Kagan noted, but TPS does not rubber stamp an unlawful entry. In other words, if you enter unlawfully, you've entered unlawfully. TPS uh, status, quote, applies to people who come from countries ravaged by war or disaster. It protects them from deportation and allows them to work legally. There are 400,000 people from 12 countries with TPS status. The court was called on whether to decide whether a couple from El Salvador who have been in the U.S. with the TPS visa in the early 1990s, was able to actually get a green card that they applied for in 2001. Now, now the people were given TPS status, but they did enter the country illegally. The United States just allowed them to stay. Kagan was clear in her opinion that they were not. Quote, the TPS program gives foreign nationals non-immigrant status, but it does not admit them. So the conferral of TPS does not make an unlawful entrant eligible. If Congress, of course, could have gone further, this is this is Kagan talking. Congress, of course, could have gone further by deeming TPS recipients to have only non-immigrant status, but also a lawful admission. Legislation pending in Congress would do just that. The House of Representatives, Kagan continues, the House of Representatives already has passed legislation that would make it possible for TPS recipients to become permanent residents. The bill faces certain prospects in the Senate. Now, why is this big? There are only 400,000 TPS residents in the United States. This is big because if you're an illegal immigrant and you come into the United States... And you're not given TPS status, there's no way it's going to make amnesty very difficult. It's going to make it very difficult for amnesty to be something that's considered constitutional. It is a big deal. Congress, and she also points out, well, Congress can pass a law, right? It's not up to the Supreme Court to make these decisions. And that's basically what she's saying. Congress, pass a law. If Congress can't pass a law and the Senate can't pass a law, well, then that's it. That's the part of the Constitution. And what I'm really impressed with Kagan and Sotomayor, for that matter, is that they actually said, well, no, it's it's illegal. There's a law that says you can't cross the border. That's it. And TPS doesn't change that law. And Congress didn't change that law. So that's it. They can't come in. So it's going to be very interesting to see. It means that Biden can't write an amnesty order. 
So I, I know that TPS, the reason they, they set it up back in the 2000s was to actually start the amnesty procedure that just never got kicking and probably not going to get kicking. But this makes it very clear from the Supreme Court. If you're illegal, you're illegal. And that's it. You have no priority in the United States, even if the government acknowledges you. So this is an awesome story. There's a wave of feminism occur uh, occurring throughout the United States. And it's coming from an unlikely source. Well, unlikely if you're a Democrat. It's coming from Republicans. That's right. We are not sexist. I, I finally... I'm finally beginning to realize it. That is, boys cannot compete in girls' sports. Why? Because we want to protect girls' sports from boys. Ron DeSantis signed into bill, signed a bill into law in Florida last week that mandates that boys or trans girls, whatever you want to call them, cannot compete against biological girls. The uh, DeSantis said in the bill, which is called the Fairness in Women's Act, he said, quote, We believe in the state of Florida of protecting the fairness and integrity of women's athletics. And I can tell you, this is this in Florida, you know, girls are going to play girls' sports and boys are going to play boys' sports. That's what we're doing. We're going to make sure that that's the reality. So the bill that we're doing today will ensure fairness for women athletes for years to come in the state of Florida. It says that the athletic teams or sports that are designated for females are open to females, and we're going to go based off biology. U.S. Secretary of Education uh, Miguel Cordona told ESPN uh, why ESPN is even dealing with this at all. It's a sports channel. That the Biden administration was prepared to take steps to do something, enact laws, at a national level. Now, I want to be careful with it because, hello, uh, you can't really do that. Is there's a constitution. The states have authority over the federal government's national laws. Um, he said this, quote, I do believe in local control. No, he doesn't. I do believe in state control. No, he doesn't. But we do have a responsibility to protect the civil rights of students. Um, the civil rights are not unprotected. They still have civil rights. And if we feel the civil rights are being violated, we will act. Our LGBTQ students have endured more harassment than most other groups. It's, criti <coughs> it's critically important that we stand with them and give them the opportunities to engage in what every other child can engage without harassment. Okay, so couple of things with that statement and there's another statement civil rights are not being violated you know whose civil rights are being violated women's civil rights because if a man can compete against a woman he's going to win because physically he's just able to do that lgbt students and this annoys the crap out of me has really endured more harassment than other groups really they make up 0.4% of the student body in most schools. And that's up, by the way. Also, they've endured throughout history more harassment than, let's say, black students. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to... The Democrats are trying to bring Jim Crow back. But it's not just Jim Crow 
the historical Jim Crow. They're trying to make it that this world looks like Jim Crow. It's not. This country is nowhere near Jim Crow. You can be a trans whatever. No one cares. Most people don't. I don't care. But to sit back and say that we're living in a world of discrimination, a world of harassment, that's just not true. They're trying to form a narrative where this, our time in 2021 is the same as it was in 1955, and it's just not. Finally, I'm tired of hearing that no one is allowed to engage in sports. They are allowed to engage in sports. Play sports with their own biological sex. Stop taking opportunities away from women. A trans guy can actually run track. He just runs it with the boys because, here it is, he's a boy. Okay, so Cordona continues here. Quote, it's their right as a student to participate in these activities. Uh, they can compete. <laughs> There's no, nobody stopping them from competing. And we know sports does more than just put ribbons on first, second, and third place winners. We know that it provides opportunities for students to become part of a team to learn a lot about themselves and set goals to reach them and to challenge themselves. Athletics provides that in our K-12 through systems and in our colleges, and all students deserve an opportunity to engage in that. Yes, the problem here is you're taking the opportunity away, you're taking scholarships away from women who have to compete against men. Because the women have no chance. And meanwhile, the, the trans men, trans girls, or whatever you want to call them, actually get the opportunities, not the biological women. So, Florida is getting a lot of crap for this bill. They're getting it from the NCAA. Uh, the NCAA is already threatening, threatening to not hold, let's say, bowl games in Florida. Yeah, that'll work out really well. The Orange Bowl is going to look great in Oklahoma. Uh, the NCA is threatening san sanctions and things like that. Um, everyone, the media is calling anyone who supports this law a transphobe or whatever whatever that means. I don't know what that means, honestly. I think that's just a made-up word. Transpho usually a phobia is a fear of something. No one fears them. They just don't want them competing with girls. I mean, I know if my daughter was running against a man, I'd be like, what's the point here? And there's also the ideolo ideology of the leftist schools, because a lot of leftist schools do support this crap for some, for some reason. I guess the only way the left is going to get something, uh, get this, is if some 250-pound trans female wrestles against a 170-pound, 70-pound female and breaks her neck. No, who am I kidding? That's already happened in the MMA when a man broke the skull. A trans man, trans woman broke the skull of another woman during a bout. I don't think they'll care about that either. Because it's all about the ideology. It's nothing about what's fair, what's scientific, or anything like that. Well, it looks like, in the last story, it looks like the New York Times is getting sued by executives at the Babylon Bee. Um, by the executives at the Babylon Bee. Okay, this whole thing, I, now, I don't know if you know what the Babylon Bee is. It's, it's a satire site. It's a right-wing satire site. It is heavy in, on Facebook and on Twitter, 
And basically they make fun of all the stupid little things they do that the leftists do. And they make fake headlines. Okay? Now, the thing with these headlines, they they don't look they look legitimate, but you know they're not because they're just so out there. And they actually always include in their posts a picture that just looks absolutely crazy. An example was one of the headlines is the U.S. Army to celebrate uh, LGBTQ month are now allowing soldiers to wear the uniforms of their sexual identity. And they had a picture of a, a soldier in the water with a gun wearing a rainbow camo uniform, which is a... It, you don't have rainbow camel uniforms. I mean, so this the site is really over the top. It's a satire. It's funny. It's not meant to be serious. Well, this whole thing started in March of 2021 um, when the New York Times was discussing fake news. And they, they pointed to the satire site, uh, the Babylon Bee, and how social media sites like Facebook and Twitter should actually get rid of these, block these sites because... They are spreading fake news. According to the New York Times article that's under suspicion that they're actually being sued for, this is part of the statement that the Babylon Bee released, quote, but satire kept popping up as a blind spot. In 2019 and 2020, Facebook often dealt with far-right misinformation sites that used, quote, satire, end quote, claims to protect their presence on the platform. Mr. Booking said, for example, the Babylon Bee, a right-leaning site, sometimes trafficked in misinformation under the guise of satire. Okay, I don't know if you have ever seen the Babylon Bee. Maybe you have, maybe you're not, depending on uh, social media, it's huge. Uh, but it is very clearly satire. There is it, Their stuff is way over the top. They've got pictures. This isn't fake news. It's meant to be funny. It's kind of like what The Onion was back in early 2000. Funny thing is, this isn't the first time that they have been bashed. The Babylon Beat has been bashed by the left-wing media. Snopes actually fact-checked one of their satirical comical headlines. I believe it was CNN that reported on the, quote, fake news, end quote, from the Snopes fact-check. And the Babylon Bee, of course, made fun of CNN for that. Here's the thing. I hope the Babylon Bee wins. Getting slandered by the New York Times may not seem like much. As a matter of fact, it might seem like it's advertisement. But there are subscribers that may stop subscribing because of the controversy. And also, if they don't fight this stuff, it's very possible they could be shut down. This is the whole thing with cancel culture. We've got to start fighting some of this stuff. Because if we don't fight, then we're, we're just going to be eventually pushed to the side and gotten rid of. But the biggest problem here is the attack on comedy and satire. I think that's really what's disgusting. Cancel culture attacks anything that's entertaining. Do you notice that? No, I'll go a step further. Cancel culture attacks anything that makes you think or you have to be aware of the world for you to understand it. Most comedy is based on life, and if we aren't aware, it's not going to be funny. So a lot of uh, that, that's the group that does this the best is South Park. Trey Parker and Matt Stone run straight down the middle when it comes to their politics, but they like to pick, they pick on everybody, okay? But they enjoy picking on leftists because their stuff is, leftist 
ideology is so stupid, and it always gets a great reaction, and it's always funny. By the way, South Park is the second leading sitcom, second longest running sitcom in history. First, The Simpsons. Do you see the difference between, do you see what the two have in common? They're irreverent. They, uh, they <coughs> attack anything. They're politically incorrect. By the way, do you know what the third longest running sitcom is? Family Guy. Also horribly offensive. It's number three. And it's these three sitcoms have been running for a very... You know why? People like them. They're funny. They're irreverent. Here's a newsflash. I have no problem with people making fun of my religion, making fun of my ideology, making fun of all... I have no problem if, if it's funny. If it's funny... You know who used to be great with that? Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live has turned into a garbage show. It's not funny. I can't even stand watching it. But I love The Simpsons. I love South Park. I love Family Guy. I sit back. I watch them all the time because they're irreverent. They're fun. And, you know, yes, they say things. They, I mean, they make jokes about Catholic priests abusing kids. This is funny stuff. I, well, not that Catholic priests are abusing kids, but their comedy, their take on it, it's very dark. But it is the way they use it. it it's It's funny. South Park had an entire episode on how we can make fun of AIDS now because it's been 20 years since the first diagnosis. This is irre irreverent comedy. But it is comedy. It is funny. I mean, comedy is really taken in the teeth. Um, things are so bad, you've got, quote, comedians, end quote. I don't think they're that funny. But Seth Rogen and Cat Williams are basically saying that all those political correct comedians should probably be thrown out and uh, they have to make the changes and deal with the changes not to offend everybody. Of course, Seth Rogen and Cat Williams are has-beens anyway, so who cares? Well, here's what I say. I say, no, we're not going to do that. I say life is awesome with comedy. I like that Richard Pryor used the N-word on one of his for one of his album names. I like that Andrew Dice Craig joked about having sex with lots of women and treating them like trash. It was funny. I don't care that Eddie Murphy picked up a tranny hooker or that Louis C.K. used to pleasure himself in front of other comedians. They're funny guys. I don't care that Jimmy Kimmel wore blackface while mimicking Carl Malone on The Man Show some years ago. I don't think he should be canceled for that. I think he should be canceled now. He's not funny now. I definitely don't care that the Babylon Bee makes fun of AOC, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and the rest of the leftist policies. By the way, before you tell me I never see insults, I'm a huge fan of South Park. I told you this. I want to make this very clear. They make fun of people like me all the time, and you know something? I'm good with it. I can take it. I can laugh at my I can laugh at my belief system. I can laugh at the uh, problems with my institutions. I can laugh at anything. I have a sense of humor. You know what I do care about? The fact that these guys are growing afraid to do what they do best. That would be tragic for society. 
if we lose our ability to make fun of ourselves and laugh at ourselves. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, YouTube, and Rumble. Uh, you can also view my uh, Dumbasses Talking Politics video shorts on YouTube and Rumble. Just type in Dumbasses Talking Politics, it'll come up. And you can visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Uh, lots of news this week. Tomorrow, I've already got things set up for tomorrow. So I hope you guys have a nice day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.